Hi everyone, welcome to the topic. I'm here with my friend Erica. Erica, feel free to introduce yourself. Hi everyone, my name is Erica. I'm a rising senior at Harvard Medical School, graduating in May, originally from Arkansas. Super happy to be here. Yeah, so like Erica said, she graduated from the United States Air Force Academy and then went on to attend medical school at Harvard and at the Air Force Academy served there as the cadet wing commander during her final year. So about the Air Force Academy, the Air Force Academy is a United States Service Academy immediately north of Colorado Springs, Colorado. It educates cadets for service in the Officer Corps of the United States Air Force, United States Space Force. The Air Force Academy is extremely selective with an 11.4 acceptance rate. For the Air Force Academy, meeting their GPA and SAT, ACT requirements is a crucial part for getting past their first round of filters and proving your academic preparation. So after Erica graduated from the Air Force Academy, she went on to Harvard Medical School. Harvard Medical School is one of the most difficult medical schools in the world to be accepted to with a 3.7 acceptance rate. So Harvard Medical School has affiliation agreements with 15 of the world's most prestigious hospitals and research institutions, vital partners that provide clinical care and training. They also serve as a home base for more than 10,000 physicians and scientists with faculty appointments. So Erica, I wanted to hear a little bit about just you growing up. So you said that you lived in Arkansas. I did. Yeah. God, that <laughs> intro sounds so amazing when you put it like that. Um, yes. I grew up in a really small town in Southern Arkansas. Um, the way I like to describe it is like you grow up, you are raised, you die in this town. Like people leave like a three hour radius. Um, I lived in South Arkansas, like born through 17 years old, um, and then went immediately to the Air Force Academy. Wow. After high school. Um, so yeah. was your high school super small? It was, I think my graduating class was about 200 people, maybe not quite that. So not the okay. smallest place. In the world. It's about 10,000 people, but it's like, it's such a weird place. There were um, there's a four year university there. So like it is kind of a small college town, but there's not a movie theater. There's not restaurants. Like you had to drive an hour and a half to get anywhere cool. So it was like, had people, but small town feel, um, it, like an amazing place to grow up, honestly. Um, good place to be from, not a good place to be is the way I <laughs> That's hilarious. Does your whole family still live there? They do. So they, my whole family lives in Arkansas. I'm the oldest of four. Okay. Um, who is an accountant, one who's an architect, and then a brother who just started um, undergrad at the University of Arkansas. So my whole family is still in Arkansas. Oh, wow. I'm the only one. You're the only one who left. Who left. <laughs> That's funny. Mm -hmm. um, so thinking about high school, like what were you involved in throughout high school? Everything, honestly. My favorite hobby is overextending myself. <laughs> I honestly like a little bit of everything um I was not the sportiest kid in the world yeah. but I did do cheer. I did volleyball I was like the queen of the volleyball bench played like <laughs> every JV game up until I was like a senior in high school so like definitely like athletics was not my forte um I was much more like a choir kid I did choir I did dance um I did like musical theater that was local at our college. Um, a lot of volunteer stuff, student council, tons of student groups. Like I really, I think I like touched probably everything. But then again, it's a small town, small school. That was an easy thing to do, you okay. know? Like it's not like competing with a ton of people. Okay, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. I'm kind of the same way with like overexerting myself, but I've kind of tried to narrow down my activities a little bit. But um, 
So what made you choose to attend the Air Force Academy? Like, were you always considering a service academy or were you looking at other colleges as well? I looked at a ton of colleges. Truly, I didn't know that the service academies existed until my junior year of really? high school. No, not at all. So my path was extremely non-standard. Um, my dad wanted to go to the Air Force Academy when he was looking at colleges, but had no idea how to get himself in. So it was kind of a pipe dream for him. When I was looking at colleges, I was looking anywhere that wasn't Arkansas, truly. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I think I, I, yeah, no, I think I put in applications to like 50 schools. Like I really went hardcore. I was so scared about like not getting in somewhere. Yeah. Um, put out everywhere. And then my dad recommended that we go and look at the Air Force Academy. Um, and at that time, again, like I was like, I have no idea what that is. Um, and what's hysterical about it is like I did pageants in high school. Yeah. I didn't mention that. So like I think like everyone who like, I don't know, like if you like – wild guess of like who from my high school was going to go to a service academy like no one would have said me like I was not going to be the girl on that list um but we went and as we were driving onto the air force academy campus you're like driving towards this beautiful chapel looking directly at the mountains and the parachuting team happened to be practicing as we were driving in so there's parachutes coming down driving and it was, I was like this is the coolest place ever. And I was hooked. And then the reason I actually hit submit, I was really scared. I was in between, there was a really nice private school in Arkansas that I got a full ride to. Oh, wow. And I really liked the school yeah. and then the Air Force Academy that I was deciding between. And on the literal last day that you could say yes to the Air Force Academy, I was sitting in my high school calculus class and my, my best friend still, um, she's going to be my maid of honor. She Aww. turned around and looked at me and she was like, and she, I don't think she knows this, so I guess she'll find out after she listens to this podcast. <laughs> she turns around, she looks at me, and she was like, Erica, I don't think you actually want to go to the Air Force Academy. I think you just think it's a challenge, and it's hard, and you're trying to prove a point. And I went home, and I hit submit that day, and then showed up at basic training two months later. Stop. So, like, oh my gosh. I, the truth is that, like, I guess I went semi out of spite and semi to be like, no, I can. And to prove a point, and it ended up being the best decision I've ever made. But my honest answer is like someone said I couldn't. That's hilarious. Oh, I want. Yeah. That's actually <laughs> hilarious. Were, were you considering, um, so I live 15 minutes away from the Naval Academy. And so people here, like I have no interest in a service academy, but like some of my guy friends are like Naval Academy. But so were you ever considering any others or were you just considering the Air Force? I wasn't. I only looked at the Air Force Academy. The truth is I am scared of open water. So the Naval Academy was like mm. big out for me. Like that was never going to be, I just imagined the Titanic in my head and I'm like, yep, no, out. <laughs> like, and then for West Point, I just, I knew a couple of people in my hometown who were in the military and in talking to them about it, everyone just said that the Air Force tends to treat people better um way of life tends to be a little like easier your bases are nicer and like as a 17 year old you have no idea how to how to conceptualize like what's going to be important to me in 10 years yeah. and I think I have to just be surrounded by people who were very pro air force uh -huh. so it was never something I even considered okay. like what on my mind okay. at all that makes a ton of sense then because I feel like People only applying to the Air Force Academy is not something I hear very often, but that makes a lot more sense when you explain the background of it. Yeah, no, like I can't 
like highlight enough how very little I knew about the military or service academies. Like, honestly, it's a fluke that I even showed up, but I guess (laughs) this is a funny way of working itself out because it ended up being the most incredible experience. And it's, I, I loved it there. That's amazing. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. That's perfect. Cause I know it can be very challenging and stuff like that, but I guess if you're someone who likes a challenge, that's perfect for you. But when you were signing on to the air force Academy, in the back of your head, were you worried about missing out on the regular college experience or anything or no? 100%. That's one of the reasons I waited yeah, until the very last about. day because, you know, I had no one in my family who was from the military, no one who could tell me anything about the service academy except like what you can Google on YouTube. Yeah. And it's like these two minute clips of like rocket ships shooting into the sky and they're like, you know whatever, like shoot for the sky, join the air force. And you're like, I mean, that looks cool, except that, you know, like, I don't know how to visualize myself there, what you might be sacrificing and losing. And the reality is that uh, you do miss out on those experiences, but you gain different experiences. And so I think you have to decide what's more important to you, like joining a sorority and having a normal experience or getting to do something that other college kids don't. So yeah, it it definitely terrified me because it was just so out of the realm of anything you can imagine, you know, like even like apples to oranges. It's like these two experiences are not comparable. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's so, yeah. Cause I feel like you remind me a lot of myself, like very hyper involved and stuff like that. So I just, I don't know, back in the back of my head, cause <laughs> one of my teachers told me I should apply to the Naval Academy. And I was like, what are you talking about? But I guess it, that is a good way to put it. It's experience, but it's just different. Yeah. It's a, it's a totally different experience. Um, and you get out of it, what you put into yeah. it. I, there were definitely people who showed up to the academy and kind of skated by for four years and definitely regretted missing out on the normal college experience. Uh-huh. And there were people who decided to jump into it and take it for what it was. And they found mentors and they found experiences. So, I mean, but I think that's anything in life. Like you can go to a quote unquote normal college and you have to do the same thing. Yeah. You can just survive for four years or you can find people and find experiences that become meaningful. Oh, you know, sure. you just have to decide which meaningful experiences you want. Yeah. And that's hard to do when you're like 16 or 17 and you're like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You can just make a decision and roll with yeah, it. Yeah, no. Okay. That makes, that makes tons of sense. And that's a great way to put it. Um, but so when you were showing up there to the Air Force Academy, young 17 year old self, how did your training go? Like the, the training going in there? How, how was that process for you? Uh, horrible. I, <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like my senior year of high school, I, even though I didn't accept until the last day, had a sense that I was going to. So, you know, I was a volleyball player. I was a cheerleader. I was working out every day because I had to, but I was also getting up in the morning and running and doing pushups. And like, in my mind, I was like, I guess that's enough for basic training. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you show up, I think it was like, June 15th, like not even a month after you graduate high school and you get on this bus and you're waving goodbye to your parents and then your life just changes forever. That sounds so dramatic, but it's so true. Basic training went terribly for me. Like if I could go back and give myself any advice, it would be don't take it so seriously. I was terrified, like absolutely terrified. I'd never been yelled at like Uh that before. 
never been made to work like that before. And I survived it and I did fine. But the whole time I was just like a deer in headlights, having no idea what Probably to do. Probably super anxious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like a horrible. It was the worst five weeks of my life. Um, and like, if I could go back and do it again, I'd probably just be like, Erica, chill out. Like, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> the reality is like, these are like kids training kids. Yeah. They're only a couple years older yeah. than you. They're college students too. Um, it's, it is survivable and it is manageable. It's definitely not for the faint of heart, but I was a pageant girl from Arkansas and I did it. So like anyone could do it if you're just... I don't know. Grit your teeth and bear it. <laughs> That's so funny that you were in pageants. I know it's like my it's like my secret that I keep from. I'm not ashamed of it. I think it made me a really good interviewer. And to be honest, yeah. I, I only did like four. It's not like I was like a oh, what's the TV show with the toddlers? I know you're talking about toddlers with CR. Yeah, yeah. I certainly wasn't that. Um, but it is funny. Like in hindsight, I was like musical theater, <laughs> yeah. very girly. Um, <laughs> But I survived. So anyone could. You just got to put your head down and do it. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really good advice. But so after you reached, after you got past the training, you're there, you're attending the Air Force Academy. Did they have clubs and extra extracurricular stuff that you could get involved in just like high school? They do. Yeah, they have anything you want, honestly. So um, it's a D1 school. So oh. all the sports that you could want. And of course, you need to be recruited or, you know, be a walk on like athlete, like athlete was never in the cards for me. Um, but they do have all kinds of other clubs. Like I was in foreign language clubs. I actually did musical theater at the academy. Really? Yeah, every semester I was in three different choirs. I worked a lot at the cadet chapel on bass. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the things. Oh, I worked at the cadet observatory running uh, basically like tours for middle uh-huh. school groups that would come in. Um, I worked with the satellite team in uh, the astronomical engineering department running the Falcon satellites that the Academy owns. So there's tons of stuff that you can get involved in. I did a lot of backpacking and climbing. They, they have everything you want. Like there's definitely a way wow. to find people there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it to be that enriching, but um, do they also, it's might be a weird question, but, do they have official majors there? They do. Yeah. Okay. So it is 100% a four-year institution and it's uh-huh. one of the best in the country. You get an actual major. It's just different in the sense that it kind of feels like you're in high school. Like every single day you're in classes, there's seven minutes in between periods. Like you have to go to like athletic training and military briefings. So like you're just really, really busy and you have to manage your time very well. Yeah. It's much more similar to being at like a boarding school than it uh-huh. is college. But you 100% have college majors. You graduate with a degree. There's minors, um, specialties that you can get in your degree. We have an honor degree that you can get as well if you're in the scholars program. So it's very much like a normal university in that sense. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so what was your major? I ended up graduating with a degree in foreign area studies with a specialty in Eastern Europe and political science. And I have a minor in Russian language. Oh, wow. Not at all. (laughs) Everything I have ever done has been non-standard, I think, in getting to where I eventually want to go. Um, But it was a really fun degree. I got to travel a ton with that degree. Wow. That's an interesting degree. I I don't think I've heard of that such... I don't even know what the word would be, but specificity like I have never heard of something that's so yeah it honestly so I actually started out being an astronautical engineering major with Uh a 
are in Russian. And then you just, the way the academy works out, because you have so little time to get everything done, you can't be a pre-med major with certain degrees. Like it's just impossible to get those extra classes in. Yeah. So um, you'd think then I'd switch to like something like, and to be honest, I switched my major three times. It (laughs) pissed my parents off. I did biochem for like half a semester just so I could get my pre-med recs. And then because I was still a Russian language minor, I got an opportunity to go on semester abroad, but you can't keep, um, it was just really hard to do a like STEM classes while abroad. They just didn't offer anything. And my senior was going to be like, horrific just like straight chemistry and I was like can't do it so I switched and I did foreign area studies I think I switched my like May the end of my sophomore year maybe to foreign area studies um and loved it it was the best major that's awesome um the travel opportunities were amazing so it was really cool but yeah definitely like a windy path to get to the major I finally ended up that's always how the good things work out though right yeah exactly Uh, where did where did you study abroad so um, I studied abroad in the Republic of Georgia for five months. Uh-huh. I did a month in Latvia, a month in Hong Kong, wow. a couple of weekends in Poland and Ukraine. And then separate, this was not necessarily like, this was not for my degree. This is just like another travel opportunity. I lived for a month in South Korea. Wow. There. So like got to travel a ton on the Air Force's time, which is I'm definitely a perk of the service academies. Yeah, that's that's also like worldly experience that you'll never, that you can always carry with you too. You know what I mean? No, and I mean, how could you ever pull that off going to a, like, sure, their semester abroad absolutely exists at other universities. Um, but I don't know, not like that. Like, yeah, I no, not at all. Seven countries when I was at USAFA for free. Um, yeah. And that's just, that's, that's unreal. Yeah, for free too. Like I know that semester abroad is so expensive, mm-hmm. but that's that's incredible that you could do that. Um, so do you have to? Would you say like one valuable lesson that you learned from the Air Force Academy that you don't think that you could have learned in a regular college environment? Like, is there one really valuable thing that you took away that you could possibly put into words? Yeah. Um. I think I think I mentioned this. Maybe two things. So I kind of mentioned oh. this before, but like you get out of something what you put into it. Like it is possible no matter what experience you are having, like what college you go to, where you're at in life to just skate through your life and do the bare minimum and kind of just survive and go about your life from day to day. Um, Or if like, if you put your entire heart into something, I think, um, I think it just enhances your entire experience. Like USAFA, like I said earlier, there's actually a word for these cadets. So we call them ghost cadets. And they're the cadets who show up and just do the bare minimum and skate by. Um, Or you can be a cadet who like goes out and finds mentors. And you go like all of my travel opportunities wouldn't have happened if I hadn't found the teachers who go on these trips. Um, If I hadn't done well in school, if I hadn't been a part of you know, clubs who allow you to like, like I did backpacking and things like that. In yeah. Colorado, in New Mexico, like you have to go out and find these opportunities. And if you're not searching for them, you're not going to get them. Okay. Yeah. Like you have to lean in and get the, get what you want. Yeah, I think so. I think that and work ethic, I don't think I would be able to manage my time. It, I think to get into a service academy or to get into college period, like you have to be decent in time management, but the uh-huh. academy is another world like it's a level that I can't describe like you have so little time and energy Uh that you are working 
around the clock to get all of your stuff done and somehow be well and be a friend and maybe have a relationship, do your clubs, do fun things. It is rough to get through that entire place um, and to graduate like being in one piece. And so I think like preemptively doing that before going to medical school made a huge difference in terms of just my quality life and my ability to handle, you know, I don't know, external stress maybe and to be able to integrate. Yeah, totally. Okay. That's, that's really like useful then I think for medical school, because my dad went through medical school and he said it was one of the hardest things that he had done. Um, So yeah, I guess like it really is not for the week, but that is a really good point about having the time management and stuff like that and really being that busy. So you know how to handle it. But um, going on to medical school was applying to medical school and studying for the MCAT and stuff difficult while being at the academy. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, I don't know how, how that works. It's really hard. So if you go to a service academy, applying to medical school is a weird thing because you have to apply to apply, essentially. So you have to apply to the Air Force to go, hey, I want to go to medical school. You compete for a slot to apply to medical school. So you go through a whole application, essay, interview process, and they go, okay, congratulations, you're one of 12 from USAFA chosen this year to apply to medical school. And then you do the whole thing over to oh, actually- yeah. it's already hard enough to get into medical school to begin with, so they have you guys compete right. with each other too. Exactly, so that's difficult. And then studying for the MCAT, um, you are trying to do that in like the maybe 15 minutes you have in a day in between like military briefings and your athletic stuff and all of your classes that you're doing and any yeah. groups that you're a part of. And if you have, you know, the higher you get in USAFA in terms of like, you know, sophomore, junior, senior, you have more responsibility in your squadron. So in addition to going to school, everyone has a job and your job becomes more difficult because you're in charge of more people the older that you get. Yeah. Um, So you have so much going on to then additionally try to study for a standardized test. It's so hard. And truthfully, I bombed my MCAT. Absolutely bombed it. And it is a miracle I got into Harvard. It really is. Um, So how did that work then? How did you... I think, so for full disclosure, I got a 505 on the MCAT, which is basically like, (laughs) it's like on the line for like, if you get a 505, you should consider um, retaking the MCAT, absolutely, or like waiting a year, trying again. That wasn't really an option for me. And I decided to just send it and apply anyway. And I, and again, like this is a good the good part about going to a service academy is that your experiences are not like any other undergrad. So your uh-huh. resume stands out just because of where you went to school and what you were able to do in school. But for example, like I don't think any very few people, I think in the country applying to medical school could go, oh yeah, my senior year of medical school, I was in charge of 4,000 people. That's kind of like, no matter what your MCAT score is, a med admissions board is like, you know what, we're going to interview her and give her a chance because that's pretty, like you just, yeah. It, had to have some crazy leadership position coming from a service academy like being like oh yeah in the summer I jumped out of an airplane and got my parachute wings like nobody else can say that kind of stuff so I think resume can it can take you pretty far okay that's a really interesting that's a really interesting situation I never thought I would hear from someone who goes to Harvard Medical School that's so interesting yeah imposter syndrome was so real for me when I got to Harvard because I was like oh man like I am one of those students which it's absolutely not true everyone who gets into medical school 100% deserves to be there but for me it was a really difficult transition because I was terrified I would you know oh I don't deserve to be here because I didn't get a score you're constantly comparing yourself to your classmates yeah 
Um, so it was it was psychologically kind of a hard thing to get over my first year. That Unless- is what that is what I hear at a lot of top universities, like people having imposter syndrome, thinking like, oh, he or she is so much smarter than me. I'm not going to pass this class. Like they're, you know what I mean? Like that. I was going to ask about that because did that ever get to an unhealthy point for you? Would you say? I think so. Yeah. So um, to be fully candid, I did mm, probably two months of therapy last year, uh-huh. like twice week for two months because I grant there were a lot of other stressful things happening in my life at this time that I felt like I just couldn't do school I really wasn't doing well academically because I had so much external stress happening Uh and it like I kind of snapped like I was not doing well and I think the reality is that any person who gets into any place of high achievement so like undergrad and you're going to a top university, honestly, not even a top university, just any situation where you were working extremely hard and you're in a job, a school, a degree that is consuming your entire life. Yes. You feel like your entire identity is wrapped up in being a good student. Yep. Um, and when from kindergarten, grade point averages have kind of defined who you are as a human being, when you kind of, when you feel like you're topping out and not performing at the level that you expect yourself to be, it causes absolute crisis. And the reality is that that happens to every single person who goes to college, gets a graduate degree, like every, I can almost guarantee that 90% of medical students have experienced something similar to what I've experienced, where you're just like, I can't do this. Yeah. And the reality is that you can, you just have to put your head down and do it. But yeah, absolutely. Like I went through several periods like that, where I was like, I don't think I'm going to graduate. Like Uh I don't, I am smart enough to do this. And I would just say for anyone going through that experience, like you are smart enough, you are smart and you are capable. Um, it's just hard. Like it, yeah. is, it is so hard. Yeah. So and how did you get yourself, how did you get yourself to be able to snap out of it? Was it just continuing your work ethic or did the therapy really help you? No, you know what? I think it's a combination of those things. So the problem is that um, I think, you know, when you're going to, um, let's say like a really hard undergrad institution or you're in graduate school or some sort of professional school, yeah. you don't really have time to freak out and have a crisis uh-huh. and like cry yourself to sleep for a week because then you're going to be even further behind than <laughs> you, feel like you already are. And that's really stressful because you don't have time to take care of yourself and be like, wow, I am not okay right now. Uh-huh. So I think coming out to my friends and my teachers and my mentors pretty early and going like, you know what? Like, I do not feel good about the situation that I am in. I am stressed out. I am not doing well. I'm not handling this. I think the earlier you can be honest about that, people can find you the help that you need, whether that's therapy or just time off, or maybe you need help. Like for me, I am not good at standardized tests. So uh-huh. they set me up with the, um, it's the Office of Learning Resources and Support here at Harvard. But I met with someone who was like, you know what? There are a lot of medical students and attendings who are not good at standardized tests. This is totally normal. You have to find the people who will normalize your experience for you and go, you're not stupid. You're not slow. You're not behind everybody else. You just have this certain set of strengths and weaknesses and they make you who you are, but we'll help you get to where you want to be. So I think um, asking for help, Uh taking care of yourself, you know, eating well, sleeping well, working out, which is like that is so hard to do in medical school. Yeah, like any even imagine. on any given day is seemingly impossible. Yeah. But I think the earlier you reach out for help, you can kind of offset some of that external stress onto like a team of people who can help you, whether that's your friends, or your family, or like resources at your school. 
so that you can take care of yourself, okay. do the things you need to do on a daily basis, and then, you know, So you do think, better. So you think well. reach out for help early? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. That's- and be honest. Like, be very honest uh-huh. about the help. Be transparent. Yeah, don't hide it. Okay. Okay. I'm sure a lot of people will resonate with that advice. Um, they feel like we're so stigmatized to, like, hide our issues and stuff like that and feel ashamed, when really it's nothing to be ashamed about. But um, about... So you're at Harvard Medical School right now, but how many medical schools did you apply to and which ones were you the most interested in? Or did you just want to get in? Like, what was your thought process while applying? Yeah, I did so badly on the MCAT that my whole goal was just get into medical school. Yeah. The truth is that the only really good medical school I applied to was Harvard because I didn't think I would get into like a really, really, you know, like a top tier med school. Um, and so I sent out like the Harvard application because I was like, you know what, I- I'm not going to forgive myself if I don't like, tr-. it was kind of like a ha ha application. Like, yeah. you got it because you're applying. Yeah. And then when I got in, I was like, absolutely in shock. But I applied to basically like every state school, like every like low to mid tier medical school I applied to. Like, I-, I think it was probably like 40 something uh-huh. medical schools. Because you're, um, you're supposed to apply to a lot, right? You are. Yeah, no. And that's, that's probably a normal number, I would say. Uh-huh. Uh, well, because it's I, like weird because um, with like applying with undergrad, people now are saying like, this is probably bad, but I have 17 colleges on my list. And every like everyone's like making fun of me. And I'm like, guys, like, I don't know where I'll want to go in a year. But I think for medical school, you're like, but no, but people tell me, no, like, make it smaller, make it smaller. But it's like, I don't know where I want to go. You know what I mean? But I think with medical school, you're supposed to push it. You are. And I mean, I, but I was also one of those, like, I, like you also applied to a bunch of colleges. Yeah. And I don't think that's like, for me, if it was like low self-esteem, honestly, I don't think so. I think I was just realistic. I was like, even as a 17 year old, I was like, there's thousands of people applying to college. Like, why would I think that I'll be the one out of a thousand who will exactly, get it? Exactly. Exactly. All over the country. I was like, I have, I was like, I have to do a school tour at any place that I'm like, you know, like you don't know what you want. Like there are some days where I'm like, I still don't know fully what I want. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a very scary time for anyone applying to any sort of school. Like you're just kind of like in a year of existential stress about what you want and where you're going to go. Like I always recommend apply to more. I don't know, but I'm, I'm also like, I don't know. I feel like it's egotistical to only apply to a few. And yeah, I can't. I can't. Like, I don't know what I'll want or what they'll want. You know what I mean? Like, that's. I think we feel the same way about that. But um, so, did you care at all about urban environment or anything? Where you just like get me into one for medical school? Yes. Um, I definitely. So, urban environment scared me because I was from a small town. Yeah. Didn't really. I I didn't want to live in a city, mostly because I was intimidated. I didn't honestly have truly good reasoning. Yeah. Um, I didn't <laughs> want to go to school in the Northeast. I would have preferred to stay in the South um, or on the West Coast. I loved Colorado. I love uh-huh. because that's home for me. Um, but here I am in Boston, which is the exact in opposite. Boston, yeah. And I on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah, on the East Coast in a school I never expected to be in. But I I love it here. I've really grown to love. Boston um but yeah truly like I didn't care I just wanted to go to medical school anywhere I could get in okay that's that's completely fair considering how competitive it is these days too um but so how was your adjustment from the Air Force Academy to medical school like did you have any surprising changes or anything like 
schedule changes or anything? Like, was it a really hard adjustment for you, would you say, or no? So truly, the only change is that I had way more time and I was only focusing on one thing at a time. Like the first year, so first year of medical school, I think went very well because all you have to do is show up to mandatory classes and then go home in the afternoon and study. It was yeah. magical. Like I cannot describe to you what it was like because coming from a service academy where every single minute of your day is pre-scheduled, I uh-huh. my calendar at the academy went off 30 minute increments from the time <laughs> I woke up at 5.30 in the morning until I went to bed at midnight. Oh my God. Only um, five and a half hours of sleep? Usually less than that. That was like a good day if I could get to bed by midnight. Um, and that sounds oh so, that sounds psychotic, but that is the reality of going to a service academy. Um, and also I think kind of like, the high achiever disease, like uh-huh. what I'm talking about, like, yeah, just like, you don't have time. But when I got to medical school, my only responsibility was doing well in class. And I was like, yeah, what the heck, like, <laughs> I can do this. Like, I can do well in class. If it's the only yeah. thing I'm in charge of, I actually remember I was, this was like my, probably my second month of medical school. And I was at a bed, bath and beyond buying throw pillows. And I called my mom and I started crying over throw pillows because I was like, I've never had anything. I'm going to decorate my dorm room. I'm so excited. Like at the academy, you're not allowed to have personal stuff in your rooms. And I was so flipping excited about these throw pillows. (laughs) Like My life is amazing. And then of course- You get to be a teenage girl. Yeah, I was so excited. My whole dorm room was pink. It was amazing. And then uh, you get to your second year of medical school and it's your clinical rotations, which just wipe the soul out of you. Like it is is soul- crushing to do clinical rotations because you were just living in a hospital 24 7 trying to st- I mean it's it's a different kind of hard than the service academy and the service academies definitely um the service academies helped me in the sense that like I could manage my time I wasn't necessarily stressed out by the external stress of medical school like medical school yeah. didn't stress me out it was not being able to have a life outside of medical school, like personal yeah. pop up and you don't have time to deal with them. That stuff got stressful, but the service academies 100% prepare you well for medical school. They do. Okay. But so did you have any time to like actually explore Boston and stuff like that? My first year, I definitely did. But not so much the rest. Not so much the rest. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Second year of medical school, you are living at the hospital. Like you're just breathing hospital air like you show up in the morning when it's still dark outside and you leave when it's dark outside so you're not in the sun for like months at a time and sometimes you'll like pass a window outside the hospital like in the hospital and you'll just kind of stop and be like wow that's what the sun looks like and then you just keep walking like it is the longest year um and it is it is rough and I think any medical student would tell you the same like clinical rotations are just exhausting in a way I had never experienced before. I'll have to talk to my dad about that because I haven't really talked to him too much about med school, but I'll have to hear about some of his stories because that sounds that sounds very brutal. So would you say that it's as challenging as people make it out to be? Absolutely. It's the hardest uh-huh. I've ever done. Um, and that's coming from a service academy. And I never thought anything would be harder than that. Medical yeah. school is the hardest thing I have ever done. And not necessarily because you are working really, really hard every single day, but it's just the existential and psychological stress of medical school, uh-huh. I think, that gets to you. So, like, my dad is a family doctor, actually. 
yeah. my dad, even to this day, I think he just started telling people that going to medical school is a good idea. And he's been a doctor <laughs> for uh, 15 years now, years maybe. Like, I think I might be the same. Like, it sounds so, I'm like, I sound so cynical, but like when um, med school hopefuls reach out to me, I have a really hard time being like, yeah, like, yippee, like, like med school, jolly, like, like, come, you know, yeah. like, go for it. It'll be awesome. Like, I'm like, you should really sure that it's what you want to do and I mean that with my whole heart like you've really people who go to med school are for the most part smart and capable and probably able to do anything that they wanted to do and I'm like look there are easy ways to have a good life and to make money and like you are smart enough to do what you want so you really need to make sure that this life really have to consider yeah like you really got to make sure it's what you want I think a lot of people go into med school like only seeing med school is like the, your pinnacle achievement. And then you get here and you're like, oh shoot, now I have to do it. Like I've achieved <laughs> yeah. something that I'm looking for, but now I have to actually survive it. And it is, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's yeah. really hard. And some days, even now, like I am very, very excited to be going to residency, uh-huh. but like on really bad days, I'll be like, why did I do this to myself? Like I <laughs> picked this for me. And sometimes I regret it and I feel like snap myself out of it and be like, it's going to be great. You just got to like, get it's good for the plot. It's mm-hmm. good for the plot. Okay. That's yeah. I mean, it's good that you're at least honest to them and you're not making it sound like flowers and rainbows. It is um, not. I don't know when it becomes flowers and rainbows. I'm still waiting for that myself. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping it's coming eventually. Um. So what is your study of focus? Like what kind of doctor are you aiming to be? My dad's a pediatrician, but what are you aiming to be? I want to be an otolaryngologist, which uh, an ENT. What is that? Yeah. What ear, nose, that? throat doctor. Um, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. That, the big fancy word for ENT. So ear, nose, throat is what I desperately want to be. I'm applying this fall actually um, for the residency match. Um. Yeah, I'm super excited. I am terrified because I'm just waiting this entire year to hear whether or not I got in. Um, Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. What piqued your interest in that? I'm just curious. So because my dad's a doctor, I grew up basically in a clinic and in a hospital. So I always knew I wanted to do medicine. And then following some of my dad's buddies around the hospital, I knew that I was interested in surgery. Showed up to med school, still really loving surgery to the point that like a few of the med students um, that I knew actually created our own independent study. So like before class in the morning, we would go and do um, an anatomy lab on our own. Like we had a cadaver assigned to our little four person team and we would go do extra work basically outside of class to learn anatomy, do practice surgeries. It was amazing. It was was such a cool experience. Um, Like just loved surgery. And then I got into Uh clinical rotations and- honestly didn't like anything except my surgery rotation, but I just didn't know what really? kind of surgery I wanted to do. Um, I had no idea, like the Air Force Academy, that ENT existed, like did, never met anyone who had done it. Um, a surgery mentor kind of like shook his crystal ball and recommended it to me and was like, I think you'd be really good at this. Yeah. But trusted him fully, signed up for a rotation and absolutely loved it. I I did two weeks at a voice center, which is laryngology, which is, um, and just working on voice disorders essentially. And as a theater kid, you like walk into this beautiful clinic. There's like a baby piano in the, like a grand piano in the corner. There's people like singing in the office. You can get a sense of like what their voice sounds like before and after surgery. And I was like, this place is heaven. And I never want to leave. 
it's for you. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was perfect. So I've actually been rotating all summer at different hospitals, um, basically auditioning to be an ENT resident. So you work really hard for a month proving like, I'd be a good intern, like, please pick me. And then we find out at the end of this year, whether or not we got it. So wow, very scary, very exciting. Wow, that is really exciting. But sounds like a lot, a lot to deal with. It is, but that's how med school is. Like you're always kind of constantly in a state of existential stress. And then you're like, all right, well, got to get over that. And then you get back to studying. And that's just <laughs> for four years. That's just the reality of the life. Mm-hmm. Um, so switching over a little bit, that's all super interesting about medical school. And I feel like I've gained a lot of insight on medical school. I, it's like I have, I'm more interested in computer science. I've never thought about medical school for myself, but just hearing about um, medical school is so interesting. I just don't think it's for me, but I think that's good that I know that now. But um, transitioning more into some Harvard talk, I'm sure you get this all the time, but what is it like being at Harvard? Like, is it the stereotype that everyone makes it out to be? I have to be so careful about how I answer this question. Um, oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, the In short, yes, I think it is in some ways the stereotypes that people make it out to be. So thousands of people apply to this school. And from my class, they select about 130. Uh-huh. So they, I think my classmates are some of the most incredible, accomplished people I've ever met. Yeah. So they're two sides to being around people who are that high caliber. One yeah. is that you are exposed to incredible stories and opportunities because the professors here made it out of thousands of people applying, right? So like you were surrounded yeah. by research and travel and just like all of these incredible things. The that is that is what excites right. me so much about right. that. Like the best doctors in the world are teaching yes. you how to be a doctor. That is yeah, that's incredible. Right. And you're with classmates who like I feel like I found my my real like my some of my best friends in medical school for sure because I finally got to a place where I was like, wait, you guys care as much as I do about class. Like you guys have the weird, like the same O C D tendencies about your like highlighters that I do like we're all like high achievers like can understand each other right so you're surrounded by people like that which is incredible um and I think the work ethic scenario or like the work ethic stereotypes are probably true right like we're all working so hard but I think on the flip you also get you know the gunners the people who are incredibly competitive the people who like step on other people to get to the top so like like a, like a cutthroat sort of yeah sort of. and i would say it's kind of a 50-50 like i don't truly think that anyone at harvard is malicious or like their intent uh-huh. is to step on other people i think yeah. we are all terrified of not getting into residency and uh-huh. we all want to do our best. Um, and so I think some people respond to that by being like, you know what, we're going to work as a team and we're going to get through this and we're all going to help each other rise to the top. That's very much like a service academy mindset. Yep. Yep. I think other people are like, I have to be the best no matter what that takes. And I don't uh-huh. against them. Like I understand that, but I yeah. think it's kind of like a 50-50 split on how people respond. That to be said, Harvard has tried to combat some of that competitiveness by things like, we have a pass fail system. They don't rank us against each other. So no matter how hard you work, it's not like you're going to be the number one graduate in our class. That doesn't yeah. exist. Okay. Um, our grades are all pass fail. Like y- if you get a 90% on your grade, like on your, you know, a 90, that's the same thing as getting a 72. We all pass. So there's things like that, that like, if you are coming in and I, you know, 
extremely competitive, very high achieving. Um, there are, they try to put safeguards in place to keep people from stepping on each other, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you like the pass fail? I love pass fail. I think, yeah, I think that is definitely a good thing. I love it. It gives you the freedom to, again, like it gives you the freedom to be like, to work with your classmates rather than against them. Yep. It's, it's pass fail is a beautiful thing. I think if you can get into medical school, you have already proved that you are academically capable of not being weeded out of a system that is extremely difficult to get into in the first place. Like you have work ethic, you are intelligent, you're capable of doing this. I don't personally see the point in continuing to force people to prove themselves once they've already done it. Like just let people learn is kind of my. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. That is a great, that is a great way to look at that. Um, but okay, this like what you said about weeding people out. Does anyone drop out? So, in my experience here at Harvard, they don't want people to drop out of medical school. Like they want yeah. once you're in, it's kind of like once you're in the club, you're in and they'll do whatever it takes to keep you here. Like they they want you to graduate. That to be said, I have a few friends um a few, like definitely more than one or two who are not going to residency. They've decided that being a doctor is not in the cards for them. Uh-huh. They don't like it as much as they thought they did. They don't want to dedicate their lives to this, to this. So they're going to things like consulting or they're going into finance. So they're going to do some other sort of like healthcare related startup. So do, they, do they have regrets with going to medical school kind of? I don't think so. I think for the most part, people are happy that they, it's, it's a, it's a dream to get to medical school for a lot of people. Uh-huh. Like it's something you work your whole life for. And then you kind of achieve this pinnacle and you're like, wow, I did something that I've been working towards for years. And that's incredible. Yeah. And so I think for the most part, they're proud of themselves. From the friends that I have talked to who decided to not go to residency, I think the thing that they had to get over was not, you know, I'm disappointed I went to medical school. It's ego. It's like, uh-huh. it's it's not that I can't become a doctor. It's that I don't want to be a doctor. And I think a lot for a lot of people, it's shameful to they feel like it's shameful, right to like let go of being a doctor. But I'm, they like they like to want to be a doctor. Exactly. And, I, and I'm so proud of the friends who have decided not to do it because they're making a choice that's going to be better for them. Like they are going uh-huh. to be happier for the choice that they made. Um, and like, you know, you have your whole life ahead of you to find something that you like, like if you yeah, I think that goes for anything like med school, law school, your undergraduate major, like if you decide you don't want to do something, don't like there. It's that simple. Yeah. Like life is long. You have a lot of opportunities to find the things that you like, but on the flip, like life is short. You might as well enjoy every second that you have. So you should find a job or a degree that you really, really enjoy. Cause if it's just going to suck the life out of you, you're the only person hurt by that is you. Uh-huh. Your family, uh-huh. your friends, the people around you are going to get over that. If you can get over it, like that's the only thing that matters. That is that is very very true. Um and I feel like people definitely try to like be a doctor just because, you know, the prestige and like I they can say I'm a doctor, but I feel like it's all about what's doing best for you like you said. Um but just being at Harvard, do you get to enjoy? I think I asked you this previously, but about your first year, but have you enjoyed the Boston scene at all or like any football? Like, do you go to any like the Harvard football games or anything? Like, is there anything Harvardy that you'd really do or is it just for med school? Honestly, 
I don't feel like I'm in the Harvard system at all. I uh-huh. have the sense that I go to Harvard Medical School, but Harvard Medical School and Harvard Law School are kind of separate from the undergrad campus. Like uh-huh. Harvard Medical School is physically separate. It's across the river. It's actually in Boston, whereas the undergrad campus is in Cambridge. It's in Cambridge, yes. Right. So they're completely separate from each other. Um, is law is law also wait, so is law in Cambridge? The law school is in Cambridge. Yeah. Okay. So it's just it's just medical school that's across. Mm-hmm. The medical school okay. is across the river. Um so it's not even a part of the undergrad campus where it's so like when people imagine walking through like the beautiful brick pathways and the trees, like that's not even the med school. That's the undergrad campus. Um so like for me, like I think the undergrads have like the full like I'm in Harvard experience. Um, but for me, I was also a COVID kid. So I spent I was gonna half, ask you about that. I spent half of my first year of medical school, like eight months at home in Arkansas, basically like I was in high school again. Yep. Um so, you know, I think my experience has been different, but it also like you get to Boston and after your first year, like you spend your first year at the medical school doing classes that are mandatory in person. It's great. You're in the building. Once your second year starts, you're in different hospitals. Um, uh-huh. So you're not, you're not with the same people. I haven't been inside the med school in a year and a half, I think. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's, it's you're you're not actually a part of the Harvard system, quote unquote, or at least it doesn't feel like that, if that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. I just can't believe, I have no idea that the, um, that the med school is completely like across the river. I had it no is. idea. Yeah. It's like its own thing entirely. And I think the business school is separate as well. It's also business school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, um, just last thing about Harvard, I guess, um, for the medical school and stuff like that, would you call Harvard Medical School, do you think that it's a place for everybody or do you think that you guys are all kind of similar in some way with a similar mindset? I think Harvard does a really good job of making a class cohesive. So Uh we are all extremely different in terms of where we came from, what our backgrounds are like, but somehow we all work together really, really well, even though we are vastly different. And I guess that's because we all have similar character traits in the sense that like we're all willing to work really hard. Um, you know, maybe for the most part, like we're really good at listening. Like we're pretty team oriented. Yeah. Like a lot of the same character traits, whether you like grew up across the world or you grew up right down the street from Harvard Medical School. So I think that's one of the things that the admissions committee does really, really well, or at least they try to do is they somehow take thousands of applications and then they go, you know, not, it's not that we just want 130 of the best people in the country. We don't want the smartest people in the country. We don't want people with, like in my case, they weren't even looking for people with the best test scores. Yeah. They were looking for people who were really going to vibe. Like that's not an <laughs> academic way to put that, but like truthfully, <laughs> we're looking for people who are going to vibe together. And like, yeah. well, so we're all oh, we all come from like such different backgrounds, but the class is pretty cohesive. And for the most part, like it's not very clicky. Like you could kind of Uh talk to anybody. Okay. That's super important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important for someone like me. Like I feel like getting the campus or not even the campus feel, but just like a university feel is just so important for me. And I think that's why I'm going to do my college tours just to like walk across the campuses and just see, could I see myself here with these people sort of thing, but just kind of wrapping things up. Um, just on advice for, do you have any advice for rising high school seniors starting, um, the service academy application process, or do you have any advice for college students applying to med school? 
Yeah. Okay. So I actually, I, this is the one question that I like really sat down and thought about. And yeah. I wrote this. So Aww, thank you. For, you know, <laughs> so for rising seniors. Okay. Yes. So the kind of like the three things I have. So one, um, know what you are getting into. You are basically giving up the once in a lifetime experience of a normal college experience yes, and yes. trading that for a different once in a lifetime experience. And you have to make sure that the sacrifices you're making and not going to a normal college align with your goals. Because there are cadets who show up to the service academies thinking um, that that's what they want. And then they really struggle with the reality of being at a service academy. So if you want to serve your country, there are really amazing ways to do that without going to a service academy. So you, you have to make sure it's the thing for you. And then in terms of like actual logistical advice for applications, um, focus on leadership, community service, uh, teamwork in your high school resume. Uh-huh. Think about the characteristics that they are going to want in a cadet and someone who's going to serve their country and then go and participate in activities that are going to set you apart as someone with those traits. So like for leadership, go for student council, um, you know, like create opportunities to, you know, do a service in your community, like think about what they want and then yeah. those things on your resume. Um, for essays, I said, get them done early and send them to literally everyone that you know, like let your teachers rip them to shreds because <laughs> These are reading so many of these that like they kind of have to be good to stand out. Like people start to like your eyes start to glaze over after you've read a hundred essays. Uh-huh. So it's worth it to get help early in writing yeah. essays that are gonna really set you apart. Um, for interviews, I said uh, like do mock interviews, write out answers for them, practice them in the mirror. Um, they're a conversation. The interviews are also. A stage. You have an audience and it behooves you to practice what it's going to be like talking about something you care about in front of people. Like rehearse it like it's a play, as silly as that sounds. Okay. Uh, no, that's really good advice. Yeah, like set up your iPhone and videotape yourself answering a question like, hi, Erica, tell, like, tell us about yourself. Videotape <laughs> yourself saying that and you're going to you're going to pick up on things like oh i mess with my hair oh i sound really monotone oh wow i actually like when put on the spot blank and i don't know how to answer that and the more you practice the better you're going to be okay, um that's awesome advice yeah they're going to ask you things like you know in the interview like how do you deal with challenges how do you manage your time tell us about a leadership experience a teamwork experience like think through your like situations you've been in in regards to those themes and have them practiced before you show up. Okay. Yeah. That is like, that is amazing advice. I like how you hit every single category too. <laughs> well, I actually, we didn't talk about this, but I actually, um, I have a part-time job the whole time I've been in med school. Um, I work for a tutoring company here in Cambridge and I actually, oh, wow. I, I, I'm a strategy admissions coach. So Basically, like I help people write essays, do mock interviews, apply to medical school, essentially. Oh, okay. That's an awesome job. Very much about like application processes and making people the best that they can be in those um, situations because they're scary. I didn't have anyone to help me. And so I like helping other people get through it. I gotcha. Do you do that job? Um, I'm sure that you get a lot out of it personally, but do you do it also to like upkeep your rent and stuff like that? In I, yeah, I definitely do. The Air Force pays you a stipend, and uh-huh. but it's not enough to live in Boston. In Boston, so yeah. Work all, yeah, 
all four years of medical school. I've worked. Has, the, has that been hard to balance? It has been. I was yeah. thinking about that. <laughs> it has, but you know what? It's also, it's an easy job in the sense that I think some of those things kind of come naturally to me. So it's not like a job you have to prep for. And it's great because it's remote work. I can set my own hours. Um, oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. It's something I really care about. So it's been, it's worth it to have done it, I think. Okay. Because you're getting something out of it, not just mm-hmm. the money. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate all the good stuff that we've talked about. I feel like we really got a lot out of this. And I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge too, just about application processes and academies and stuff like that. Do you have any questions for me or do you think you're all good to go? No, I think we're good. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye.